So if you've got a Bible with you, it'd be really great to turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter is about a quarter of an inch from the back. Um, and we're going to be looking at chapter 2 uh, today. If you don't have a Bible, don't, don't stress out because um, it's going to be on the screen. But if you do have one, it's good to follow. So before we get into God's word, let's just ask God to help us. Let's pray. Father, we're not here this morning to encounter men or to hear what men have to say. But Father, we're here this morning to hear from you. So Lord Jesus, our prayer is that your Holy Spirit would guide our hearts and our heads. Focus our thoughts. Father, we pray you will enable us to understand the truth of your word. Father, challenge thinkers to believe and believers to think. Amen. Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 2. I had to put that up because we're, we're getting in a car after this and going to Rome. So I had to go start there. But it's, it's also apt because it's, it's, a, it's a building made of stones. And that's going to be important because Peter's going to talk about living stones. So 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 says, As you come to him, Jesus... A living stone, rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. So there's a couple of things going on in the text that we just want to draw a little bit of attention to. The first thing is this idea of Jesus as the cornerstone. And that's something that we can sort of just pass over really easy unless we're familiar with ancient building methods. See, back in the day, they didn't have laser levels or JCB plant. So what was really important, as we all know from our Sunday school days, is getting the foundation right. When you don't have laser level and you don't have JCP plant, it's hard to get the foundation right. So what would happen is the master builder, the architect, would go to the quarry. 
where stone was being hewn that would eventually build the building. And he would, he would have to be an expert in stone. And he would go to the quarry and he would look around the quarry for the part where he could recognize the strongest stone, the stone with the most integrity, the stone that was strong and true and sure. And he would say, cut from here. This is where the, the cornerstone is going to be drawn from. And then the master builder, the architect, would take that cornerstone and he would take it to the site and he would have the chief mason shape the stone so the stone was now angled as to how he would want it to be. And every angle that would make up that building was drawn from that cornerstone. Every angle that would go level, that would go flush, that would go plumb. The cornerstone is the foundational stone of everything. If you don't get the cornerstone right, you don't get anything else right. Everything else is skewed. The cornerstone has got to be right. And Peter says, Jesus is our cornerstone. Everything that we build our life upon is based on him. Every example that we take, every truth that we learn comes from Jesus. He is our cornerstone. Jesus is the paradigm. Jesus is the example. We look to him to know which way is true, which way is level, which way is plumb, which way is flush. He keeps us lined up. Jesus is the cornerstone. And the example that Jesus gives is the example that we follow. Jesus says, John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We follow his example. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And as we look through the New Testament, there's loads of examples where Jesus says this kind of thing. Love as I have loved, serve as I have served, do unto others. So you have the example that Jesus establishes. He is our cornerstone. He is our foundation. He is the paradigm by which we stand. And Peter says, we are being built into a spiritual building. We as living stones being crafted together by the master builder upon the cornerstone that is Jesus. Now here's the thing. If you ever see a pile of stones, there's some kind of relationship between each stone. But it's not structured. It's like, it's like a loose affiliation. And as you'll see from the photographs on the right, if there's one stone missing from a pile of stones, it's really hard to identify that stone's, that stone's absence, right? They, they both look exactly the same, don't they? Those two pictures on the right-hand side. Yet, in one of those pictures, there's a stone missing. I took the picture. I can't even remember where I took the stone from. The time I got home and got it on my computer, I'm like, where is the missing stone? That's the point. Whatever this loose affiliation of a pile of stones just put together with no intent and with no purpose, it's easy to see when stones are not there. It's easy to see when stones are not in their place. Because... None of these stones has a particular role other than to be next to the one they're next to. That's it. But that's not what Peter says of us. Peter says we are being built into a spiritual building. We are being built into this temple. We are living stones. 
And whenever one of the stones in a wall is missing, it sings out right away, doesn't it? You see it immediately. Not only do you see it immediately, the stones around it have got to pick up the slack. If there was a stone in that gap, the, the stones immediately above it wouldn't be under so much tension. They wouldn't be under so much pressure. But because that stone's missing, they got to pick up the slack. And it's apparent to anyone who walks by that there's something not quite right. You're being built into a temple of living stones. This is the picture that Peter paints for us. There's a gap in which God has assigned for us that we stand in. There's a gifting which God has given us that we use. And when we're not in the gap and we're not serving in our gifting, the other stones pick up the slack. There's an interdependent relationship between each of these stones. It's not just a relationship of convenience. It's interdependent. One stone leaning on another. One stone supporting another. One stone dependent upon another. A relationship of interdependency. There isn't one superstar stone. Every stone is dependent on the other stones. This is a picture of the temple that Jesus is building us into. There's a close, personal relationship. That's what he's talking about. A close, personal relationship. They're in contact, in contact daily. Continually in contact with one another. Maybe not familiar with the stone six or seven stones down, but a word that that stone is there. but certainly in direct relationship to the stone to their left or their right. Do you see the picture? Do you see the picture? Two of you see the picture. <laughs> That's good. There's this knowing of one another deeply. This is what Peter is calling us to, to be a community of interdependent people. People who are not just coming together on a Sunday just to be like a pile of people that rub you know, shoulders with one another and then disperse throughout the week. There's this interdependency, this knowing one another deeply, supporting one another, ministering to one another, being aware of what's going on in each other's lives. Does that mean everyone has to know everyone? No, it doesn't mean everyone has to know everyone. But those with, and with whom God has placed us in close fellowship, that's who we're connected to. But we have an awareness of what's going on at the other end of the building. And if our gifts meet the need that's going on at the other end of the building, that's where we go. Serving one another, each one doing their part. This is a picture that, that is painted. Peter doesn't, isn't the only one that paints this picture. Paul talks about this very same picture. Paul uses the analogy of a body. And Christ building the body up as each one plays its part. Same individual picture. Same picture. And every stone is different. There's not, this is not, this is not, stones are not bricks. Right? Stones are not bricks. Cookie cutters, we just, everything's the same. Same size, same shape, same weight. That's not what we're talking about. And they had bricks in ancient times. The, the, the children of Israel made bricks 2,000 years before this was even written. 
Peter chooses to say stones because stones are different. In unity, there is diversity. This is not Stepford. We're not all called. That, that, that was an age-related joke, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't even a joke. It was an age-related comment. We're not all called to be the same. There is diversity in the community of God. Uh, a few months ago, Stevie Hillis, Andy Hard, Nick Ravenhill, and me went to Billy Andy's to watch the rugby. We were like the village people. <laughs> right? We, we walked in, and it was every head in the... Strangers. <laughs> yeah, we just looked different. You know, you've, you've Stevie Hillis, North Down rugby boy. Right? You've Nick Ravenhill. You want to fight? He's your man. <laughs> right? He's a bricklayer. And you have home, home counties, Andy. <laughs> the only normal person there that night was me. <laughs> we, we should have nothing in common. We should have nothing in common. But because we have Jesus in common, we have everything in common. And I may not be interested and what Stevie Hillis is interested in. But because I love Jesus, and because he loves Jesus, there is a mystical union between me and the Father, between him and the Father, and between him and me, and therefore I'm going to take an interest in what is going on in his life. I want to know. I want to be part of it. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. Living stones, different, but together, united in him. See these cornerstones and these ancient buildings? Let me back up. I could build a wall. I could build a wall. But if I need a wall built, I'm phoning Nick. Because he's going to build it right. The same is true here. We need a builder. We need a master builder to build the wall. It's God that does the building. It's not our responsibility. He does it. All we need to do is be a stone. Stones are just available. Stones are prepared to have bits chipped off them. Because sometimes you need to chip a wee bit off a stone, right? So it fits snugly with a stone next to it. And there's no major pressure points. And God is our builder. I want you to think of that dynamic and I want you to consider what postmodern relationships are like. You know those pseudo friendships that we have? I have 900 friends on Facebook. Some of them I don't even know. Every now and again I go, who is that? Delete. I have friends that I meet day to day who are friends. But they don't know what's going on in my life. I can remember one time sitting in church, and I hate it when the, when, the, when the preacher does turn to the person next to you and shake hands. I, really, I just, oh, okay, well. But I do it because I know it's important. It's important to build those relationships, but I just cringe. But I remember sitting in a church one time, and a guy who I'd known for five years turned around and went, oh, I know you. And I thought, no, you don't. You don't know me. And I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, you don't. And he said, I do. I said, what's my besetting sin? 
he just went. <laughs> he didn't want to engage, but this is the thing. I don't want all of you to know my besetting sin, but I do want some of my brothers to know my besetting sin. I, I want some of my brothers to know what, what my passion is, what my motivation is, and I want to know yours. And that's what we're talking about, an intentional relationship where, where we can share what's going on in one another's lives and we can represent and we can pray for one another as we do that. Not like Facebook friends, not like superficial friendship, deep, enduring, spiritual, mystical union with Christ and with one another. And compare that to institutional religion. You know where you come and sit nice for an hour on Sunday? That's not what we're doing. We don't want to be those who just come and fill a pew and go home again and have no interaction or no connection with one another through the week. That's not what he's calling us to. It's, it's never in the pages of Scripture. It's not about a fancy building that we can come and sit in rows in. It never was about that. It's not about the superstar preacher. It's not about the smells and the bells. It's not about the tradition. It's about connecting with him. He's calling us to something more, to something deeper. A friend of mine, he's an American guy, he's called Dennis McCallum, and he talks about the church sometimes looking like, like this. You know what this is? This is a picture of 22 men desperately in need of a rest and 60,000 men desperately in need of exercise. <laughs> right? And that's the picture. Don't, don't leave, what do we say? We, we almost say it every week. Everyone gets to play. Don't we? Everyone gets to play. Don't leave it to, to other people. Don't leave it to the superstars. Because I tell you, I know most of you people, there are no superstars. <laughs> but let's not just be spectators. Let's get on the pitch. Let's be part of what is going on. There are no spectators in the kingdom. So let's be living stones. Let's be living stones. Let's pray for opportunities. Where can I serve? How can I serve? Ask God. God will tell you. God, how will he tell you? He will give you a burning desire. He'll give you a, a passion and an enthusiasm. So let's ask him where he wants us. Let's intentionally build relationships. You know when we do that, while the speaker's getting ready, just turn around. Turn around to someone you don't know. Or if you're, if you're stuck in the place where you, it's, it's people you only know, get to know them. Ask them what their besetting sin is. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe don't do that. <laughs> but get to know. Find out what's going on in one another's lives and bring that truth to the Father. And the next time you're talking, tell them you brought it to the Father. I remember one time talking to a guy and he was asking me what was going on in my life and I was telling him about a guy who I was friends with and the struggle he was having and we stopped and we prayed about it. Two years later, I seen the guy again, first guy, and he said, how's that guy doing that you told me about last time? I'm like, uh, what? He told me, and he told me, this. I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. He said, I've been praying for two years and you don't know? He said, you don't get to not know. I'm like, that was a challenge. That's a failure of relationship on my part. I would suggest the best way to deepen relationships is to commit to a life group. 
I know we don't put people under pressure to go to life group, but I tell you, it's the best way. It is the best way to deepen relationships and to get to know one another. And I'd even challenge you to go beyond life group. Don't just come here on a Sunday morning and there on a Wednesday night. Hang out, go for coffee, eat pizza, have barbecues. Get to, this, this isn't some sort of way out there, super spiritual thing. It's just building relationships. It's not rocket science. And when you're serving, ask, ask people how you're doing. Get feedback. Say to people, how, how, how did it go? How am I doing? Where are the gaps? And expect the feedback to be honest. And when you're asked to give feedback, give honest feedback. In love and gently. But tell people. So they can discover where their gifting is. And when God points you to an area, go get equipped. We've got so many things in terms of life group. We've got Vineyard Hub. There are so many things that we do as a church that are there to resource us as individuals so that we can get equipped. Here's the thing. God has never asked for your, your attendance. God does not require your attendance. What he does require is your service. That's what he's asked for. And Peter says he has called us to be a holy priesthood. And what does a priesthood do? Well, the priesthood in the ancient days, the high priest was an intermediary between God and man. He went into the presence of God to represent the children of Israel. He came out of the presence of God to represent God to the children of Israel. And that's what Peter is calling us to. Someone who has close access to God, but brings God to man. And Peter says, every single one of you is a priest. There's no clergy. We don't do clergy anymore. We don't do priests anymore. You are, you are all priests. And that's why we pray for our friends. We bring God to our friends and we just communicate it openly, normally. Say, so I want to pray about this. We're bringing God to man and representing man before God. Peter says in verse 9, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. That's telling your friends that don't know about Jesus what Jesus can do and has done for you and will do and can do for them. So here's the thing. Let's just focus on what the paradigm is. It's not about the superstar preacher. It's not about that big circuit teacher that goes around the place and we want to follow. It's not about the dynamic worship team. It's not about the amazing children's or youth program. It's about getting to know God. It's about deepening our relationship with him. It's about building in an intent to our relationship towards one another. And it's about serving him. And it's about telling people that don't know him about him. That's what it is to be a living stone. That's what it is to be a priest. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him, he has got a hope and a future for you. He has got a purpose and an identity for you. And he calls you to be part of the building. And another thing we say every week, you don't have to do anything special. You don't have to get right. He will make you right. You come as you are. And he will accept you as you are. So the challenge is this. As we look around our church, we can see gaps. As we look around the cafe afterwards, and we see people who just sit in their couples because they don't know anybody else, there's a gap right there. 
as we look around, I've seen Gillian putting a, a rota up for kids' church over the summer. There's a gap right there. You know, as we try to deepen our relationships with one another, but we struggle to do it on a Sunday morning. We've got life groups. There's a gap right there. You, you, you know where the gaps are, don't you? The challenge that we have is to stand in the gap. Will you, will you pray with me? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we want to serve you. Father, remove us from our comfort zones. Encourage us and equip us and motivate us to get on the pitch. Father, show us where the gaps are. Let's uh, stand together, can we?